And the rubber chicken says, from where I roost, I have to say America is dumber than a rubber chicken. And I ought to know because I'm a rubber chicken. (laughs) Yes, you are. And thank you for that insightful piece of criticism. But now it's time for Lewis Black's Rantcast, number 39, entitled Bagram, Kandahar, Kabul. Oh, my. Yes, siree. This is the week, well, not this week, but the week we decided, actually, that um, after 20 years, we are leaving Afghanistan just in a nick of time. Woo-hoo-woo. That was close, huh? Boy, oh, boy, I uh, uh, wouldn't want to overstay our welcome. A 20-year war. Gee, that's the, that's the kind of shit you read about in history books, and I'm sure we will be. Uh, Well, at least our children will be, and I'm sure the historians uh, will be telling us about it. They'll clear it up for us in a number of years. There'll be a book that'll come out, a novel maybe. Uh, Maybe you'll find out from a movie what the fuck happened or what it all meant. Uh, Probably, uh, for many of us, it'll be in a Netflix series or Amazon Prime, depending. Maybe Hulu. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe each one will have their own interpretation by then depending on what party they're working for. Who the fuck knows? But uh, I should know more than uh, than I do because I was actually, I spent time there. I spent time there because I did three uh, extraordinary uh, USO Christmas tours uh, with Admiral Mullen, uh, who was the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff then, Mike Mullen, uh, and his wife, Deborah. And... Uh, I couldn't have been luckier uh, to, I was, uh, to have them as, in, in a sense, my guide to the to the world of the military and to the to the uh, American mindset in the Mid East, and um, or not the well, whatever it is, Afghanistan. I don't know where that how that where Afghanistan actually lies in terms of that if that's considered Mid East or not. Or more toward uh, well, we'll have to check on it. So I'm not I'm not doing a geography lesson. Stay on point, Lewis. Uh, those uh, those three trips I took two of those USO tours with uh, the very brilliant Robin Williams, who brought an energy that was uh, overwhelming uh, and showed his love of the troops. Every time we got off that plane, he raced toward the men like uh, and uh, and it was staggering to watch what he brought to them, because this was no easy tour in any way, shape, or form. It was exhausting. And um, I also went on two of the tours. I was with my good friend, Kathleen Madigan. It was great to have someone along who was as as dumb as I was about what was going on around us and uh, who brought that kind of same, you know, eye to the thing someone that I could turn to who was a close friend and go, what the fuck? And it, it was certainly a, a what the fuck experience, but it, not in a, a bad what the fuck, but in a truly, truly life-changing experience, okay? Each trip, each trip was more than any LSD trip and as and and insane as any LSD trip would be. And uh, all of the things that I might see or experienced during LSD. I experienced the all, every day, every moment, every second, every millisecond that uh, that I was uh, 
doing the USO tours. From the moment, moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep, it was everywhere I turned was something. It was a revelation. Um, I saw something that I'd never seen before, that I had no concept um, for, for really what I was seeing. My mind uh, was blown. And, and the fact that I would use that in terms of LSD to say that after an LSD trip, boy, my mind was blown. Nothing in comparison to how incredible, uh, incredibly mind-blowing it was to, to be um, in Afghanistan. And uh, in Bagram, a, a huge, an Air Force base there, Kandahar, where we performed at this... Uh, really the soccer field where we found out that the Canadians actually were smart enough to be getting a beer and I think some alcohol there while uh, uh, the Americans weren't sneaking it in. And boy, were we looking for alcohol from time to time in Kabul, Ooh, a very scary place, the capital, uh, which a drive through of that was, we were apparently in danger when we drove through it. And, um, uh, you know, and I kind of don't remember it because my, my brain would go, no, 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 forget it. I don't know what will happen now. I don't know what the Taliban, what they will do. I do know that when we were in Kabul at the American embassy there, we looked out at a mountain and on the top of that mountain was a uh, swimming pool that the Russians had built, but they the Russians did not figured on the angle of the mountain so they couldn't really get water up there. So it was an empty swimming pool. It was Olympic size with all sorts of diving platforms. The Taliban um, would actually take prisoners up there. Uh, by prisoners, I meant uh, dissidents, uh, criminals, uh, uh, and uh, or homosexuals, people that, uh, that displayed aberrant behavior. And uh, and they would uh, throw them off these diving boards. And you could hear the moans, apparently, according to the, 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 the man I was talking to. You could hear them uh, throughout uh, Kabul. And that, uh, I mean, talk about, you know, that really, that's, that's a level of punishment that is just, you, you go, that's a daily dose of hell. Um, but apparently if you survived, uh, the Taliban thought that this proved you were guilty. And I don't know, uh, what Bible they're reading from that one, but oh boy, uh, I hope that over since the, that during this 20 years of us kind of, uh, trying to establish, uh, uh, Afghani, uh, forces in terms of trying to establish a legitimate Af government of Afghanistan that maybe the Taliban's learned a lesson. Maybe, hopefully. Maybe some of them, I don't, God only knows. I do know that flying over that country was something that I'll never forget um, either. I it just, you'd go over this village, you know, or city or whatever, uh, a, a place that um, the folks were, uh, You'd travel 30 miles and 40 miles, 100 miles, and there'd be another place, you know, basically also in a, uh, you know, surrounded by mountains and it, empty in between. I mean, flying over Afghanistan, as Kathleen aptly put, it was like flying over the Bible. Uh, well, a great joke and, and true. But also it made 
if you fly, made flying over South Dakota, South Dakota in comparison to uh, Afghanistan looks like Hong Kong. And, and these, these cities, towns uh, uh, that, uh, that uh, they were living in, um, you know, you wouldn't call them states, uh, where the, uh, the, the, the tribal chieftains ran the towns, I guess. And they, uh, apparently these folks never left. If there was a town 10 miles away, they didn't even go to see them. And that the language they, in many of these places they spoke were different. Uh, it's just how you expected flying over this countryside, how you expected to be able to keep track of fine people, anybody. It was like, wow, I just, uh, I don't know. I look down, I go, you've got to be a hell of a military strategist to have figured this out. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I do know that um, we, you know, that if, if there was a group that gave it uh, their best shot, it was, uh, it was our military. They, they, I, I, I really didn't really know, um, as I've said, the military well. What I learned uh, in my three tours was their dedication uh, to their mission and to each other, and it was it was uh, like nothing I'd ever witnessed in my life. Their level of sacrifice, uh, there are no words for. None. Uh, they made a commitment, even if. Uh, even if they didn't, um, I think, uh, you know, even if they didn't believe in maybe what we were doing, they, they, they knew that, that, you know, they, they, they gave it their all. And, uh, um, and that's just, it, it, that kind of sacrifice is, I mean, beyond, it was remarkable. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I was, I stood in awe. And, I, and I've said this time and again, I will continue to repeat it till I die. If, if, if we Americans just showed, ten, if we had 10% uh, of, the, of the sacrifice that our military shows, if we could just show 10% of that, that's all we got to do. This country would be the greatest country on earth by far. I mean, by far, by leaps and bounds. Um, it would be a different country. You'd wake up one day and go, really? Holy fuck. And enough. Enough of the thank yous. And, 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 and I can, but before, let me just say uh, that performing uh, there was like nothing I'd, uh, I'd ever experienced either. Um, Kathleen would say this. We, came, we would come back and do shows and go, gee, I mean, you know, it used to be a lot of fun to work uh, in Washington, D.C., which my hometown, or St. Louis, Kathleen's. Boy, it used to be, you knock it out of the park, you, you know, but in comparison to Kandahar, <laughs> boy, are you kidding me? I mean, the, uh, the level of emotion, the level of, uh, the, you, the, the, the energy level you got from the audience was... Uh, once again, uh, something I, I, I never experienced uh, before or since. Um, might after this pandemic, uh, 
there might be those first few shows where people, where we're all kind of desperate and kind of go, oh, I needed that. But there it was every time, every single time. It was life affirming. And uh, I, I only hope that, uh, you know, and they would always thank us. And it was like, no, 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 no. We did nothing. We showed up. And we showed up because you were here and you need the ones who need to be thanks. And thanks aren't enough, okay? We've got to stop with the thank yous. Thank you for your service. Shut the fuck up. We have to take care of the troops when they return, okay? After they have given us their service, we must take care of them and their families. We must give them whatever, and I mean whatever, they need to transition back to the society that they have protected. It's that simple. What do they need? Get it to them. Get it to them. Don't fight them. Don't fight them over their needs for whatever. Whatever they need, get them. Okay? For God's sake. Before I go, it should be noted um, to those of you who, uh, who might think we should stay in Afghanistan. One of the people who do does think we should stay there is Lindsey Graham. I just have never seen him as a titan of uh, of military strategy. All right, John McCain was around. I would certainly be interested in what he had to say. And finally, an interesting story to wrap it all up was. Uh, one of the uh, tribal chieftains that we were trying to please, unlike what we do for our soldiers when they come back, who we don't seem to, we fight them over medical stuff. Shut up, Lewis. Um, the, the tribal chieftain, uh, we wanted to sh- show him our gratitude. We, we, we built for him a, uh, a toilet, you know, like a, uh, a modern toilet. Uh, plumbing, plumbing as you would have it right here at home. That's what we gave him. And he was very impressed and was very pleased. And we left proud of what we had given him. And then when we returned oh, a while later, it, 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 he had destroyed it and brought it back to its original um, and taken a shit in the shit house the way I want to shit in it. And when and when folks don't want to use modern plumbing, all right, and that's their choice, and that's for sure, and we're people that do use modern plumbing, you, you can begin to see the difficulty we might have in terms of communicating. So um, and what they did do was throw uh, their shit into fire pits that when the, the, the breeze would hit, you could smell it. And the guys would, and the women in uniform would have to put up with that. Well, I, like I said, mind blown. And on another note, something that probably made a lot of people very happy, especially those who uh, uh, gave him money because they believed he would make them more money, Bertie Madoff, uh, the purveyor of dreams, passed away. I'd forgotten all about him. 
I'm sure there are people who have not never forgotten him. Uh, I know uh, a friend of mine's father gave uh, Bernie Madoff money and um, and said, you know, he passed away before Madoff was caught, and said to his son, who he passed the money on to, if there's anybody in the world you can trust, uh, the person that you can trust is Bernie Madoff. Uh, and I was trying to find exactly the right phrasing there. There's, and that was that's a, was was said time and time and time again by many people, um, until they caught him. And uh, my relationship with uh, Bernie Madoff is uh, a lot more tenuous than my relationship with Afghanistan because I actually appeared in the, I believe it was the ABC, it was the ABC miniseries. Uh, about Bernie Madoff, and it was starring uh, the illustrious Richard Dreyfus and the uh, the always, I mean, just she, and she's so good in this. So I, I really thought she deserved an Emmy for it. I did. Is Blythe Danner is uh, Bernie Madoff's wife? She was the two of them were uh, really great, but she really brought something to that role. Um, I've known her a while, and I've seen her do. She's a, a really splendid actress, but this there was something really that she she nailed in this that was exceptional. Um, and it was I, and Richard Dreyfus was really great to be able to work with someone who I'd admired since American Graffiti, where when I saw him and went, "Fuck, he's just like my friends, only a little older." Son of a bitch. Uh, and uh, and being in their presence, being you know, you know, kind of doing what I call acting with them, um, just to to witness it was uh, made going to made going to that that fucking drama school worth it. Um, I played the part of a of someone who actually uh, you know was involved in this. They, they call his name was Ezra Merkin. A real person. I was playing a real person who was still alive, and uh, he had actually. They people would give him money, and he, and he had a uh, investment fund, and he would, uh, he would take that money and pass it on to 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 Bernie and let him in, in, invest it. And um, and one of those people was uh, the Ellie Wassell, the really the the witness and the voice of the Holocaust and for many, many people, including myself, one of the first real books that affected me in my youth was a book called Night by, by him. And he, uh, he, he basically uh, laid waste to um, his fund, his, uh, his foundations, Ellie's foundations funding. It's just amazing. So I, I played this part. And then they do a thing where they do a sound looping and they bring you in. And it's a lot of the times toward the, when they're going to, just before they start to do the final edits and stuff and they find things that are wrong and you might have to fix a glitch or a word. And they said, uh, wow, you know, um, uh, Ezra Merkin uh, is going to sue ABC over this. And uh, so we have to change his name. And they wouldn't even make it a Jewish name because he, uh, you know, they, that's how scared ABC was of someone who had, uh, who had basically been uh, Bernie Madoff's pimp. And they fucking were so freaked out by this 
that they uh, they decided to give my characters my character to reintroduce himself. I'm still the character still delivering Ellie Wassell, sort of. But there's a kind of a it was much more um, initially that it was obvious. Now it's kind of like yeah, I'm not sure, and they. And they gave me like a name like Christopher or Chuck or forget what Charles. I mean, like a, like a perfectly like I said, you really a, a, a you know, come on, you give me a, a Christian name? I, seriously, what is the so? And I was cut out of the scenes that uh, some of the scenes that I was in, all to protect Ezra Merkin. Unbelievable, unbefucking believable. He cost me a little money. <laughs> But really, what he cost me was the was the folks out there who I know were saying, "God, we we love Richard Dreyfuss and uh, Blythe Danner in the scene, but where's Mister Black? Where is Mister Black?" And uh, and I was pretty good in those scenes. It was too bad I would have gotten a uh, you know uh, <laughs> I might have gotten a, an Emmy, you know, <laughs> not an Emmy, yeah, an Emmy. For that character, the feature, 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 featured, featured, sort of featured. Yeah, the sort of featured actor, maybe, if he wasn't cut out. Emmy. <laughs> Prince Philip uh, also had his funeral this week. And boy, the one thing you watch there, the royals do know how to throw a funeral, don't they? The only thing missing, I thought, was, uh, I think, really at the end when they've got, they've got the all of those soldiers in all of those outfits. And, uh, and uh, I, I just think what would have been great is seven-foot cockatoos just, you know, coming up the rear. Mm. And then you go, wow, that's the icing on the cake. And then, of course, it's, wait, Prince Harry and Prince William, he brought them together, and death, he brought them together. Who gives a shit? Well, I, how that takes, you know, any... Uh, that, that shows what uh, the crown did. It made them all into characters. And now we kind of go, oh, boy, I wonder if they'll get back together. What's Megan thinking? Oh, he's got to get back home. Here, of course, we've got a uh, Congress, the, you know, the House of Representatives uh, passed the, the Paycheck Fairness Act, in which they were trying to get uh, wage parity in terms of gender, you know, that uh, just to make sure that... Uh, you know, basically, women don't get fucked over. If a guy's getting X, then a woman should get X for the same job that the guy's doing. And, of course, the Republicans, there was only one who crossed the line, so the Democrats voted for it, the Republicans. But, they, you know, look, once again, you kind of go, you, you don't think that there should be parity? Really? So if you, what do you think it should be then? Hmm? Don't sit there and... and, and, and and, and and fucking you know throw your little tantrums, and 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 shit in your diaper. Fucking speak up. I'm, I don't like that. It's gonna what? Women have just been fucked over in the midst of this pandemic. All right, along with and the list continues. So it's time to pay attention. Why wouldn't you do it just for the votes? No, instead, you'd rather try to have these, you know, these, uh, you know, you'd try to get less people to vote so that, oh, boy. 
I'm surprised you're not trying to take the women's right to vote. Well, we, we like that. We, 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 you know, the reason we're not for gender wage parity is in paycheck fairness is because we really don't think women should vote. We've always been, oh, come on. And then, of course, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, up to his antics, uh, yelling and screaming at Fauci, Dr. Fauci. Uh, when's this going to end? When are we going to get our liberty back? When are we, when, when, when we going to get our freedoms back? I got to wear this mask. You know, and uh, you got to sit there and go, that's your freedom is the right not to wear a mask. What, the, what, you, what freedom was taken away from you that you got to wear a mask? That's really, it's not a freedom. You have all your freedoms, Mr. Jordan. Okay. Your Liberty, you got it all. You can sit there and spout whatever fucking nonsense you want to. All right. We got to get this shit on track. We can't have you sitting there like, you know, squawking. It doesn't help. Explain how uh, being unmasked, you're freer. Okay? Well, you're free to kill people, and that's what you're free to do if you haven't been uh, vaccinated and you, and you possibly are carrying COVID. I mean, it's that simple. All right? Gee, enough people didn't die. If that's not enough, um, in order to keep the nonsense going, uh, and I hate doing this, but it, it's you, you, come on, Republicans, find you've got people out there who are really bright, and, uh, and you're not showing them. Where are they? Because this is what you got. This is what makes the news. I can guarantee. Somebody steps forward with something, and I can guarantee you'll get coverage. Because the only one you got that's really acting like a Republican is Manchin. Why don't you take a lead from him? It turns out that a, a number of there's a, a couple of Republicans, a few Republicans, you know the ones, <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates. He's still running amok. Paul Gossar, or Gosar, Gossar, I guess, Republican from Arizona, where the sun gets so fucking low that it actually, um, it basically uh, fries the water that's in, that, in, the, in the brain pan and uh, steams the brain to a point that people go, wow, uh, who can we vote for who's, uh, who's, you know, whose brain has been really properly steamed to the point of where it's... Uh, it, there's no real thought process occurring. And it's, oh, yeah, Paul Gosser, he'd be good. Well, they organized something called the America First Caucus, which harkens back, if I may say, to uh, America First when, when Charles Lindbergh, who was kind of a pro-Nazi guy, an American hero, flew the spirit of St. Louis to Europe, all that yada, 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 or Europe back to whatever, fuck. He, he had a, a group with some others called America First, which was... Uh, all about really kind of, uh, you know, isolationism and, uh, and basically about uh, white America. And it, apparently, we'll, we'll get to it. So they got the American First Caucus, which calls for a degree of ideological flexibility. Great. That'd be good. Wouldn't that be fun to see from them? A certain intellectual boldness. Intellectual? No. Um, I'm going to say this. I've, I've been called an intellectual by people. I'm not an intellectual. I'm not. I don't believe it. I don't. But compared to these three, you can take the three of them, okay? Take the three of them, put all of their intellectual together, and I'm still I out I, by leaps and and fucking bounds. I'm, I'm way beyond them. I'm, I'm 
God, I'm beyond, I'm be, wow, it's, it's extraordinary, the level of intellect that I have compared to them. And then throw in the, our former leader. You can put him in there too. And actually, that may take it down some, so then I'm really, uh, they can't see me. Okay? I am literally like a, a planet, and they're a softball. All right, in, in terms of intellectuality. And I rarely toot my own horn. And they are using a degree of ideological flexibility, certain intellectual boldness to follow in President Trump's footsteps. Well, you, that's not intellect. If you're following in his footsteps, what is that? Then you're following in his footsteps. Oh, what, what does, how does that show anything intellectual? Oh, there's, you step there, I'm going to step there. You step there, I'm going to step there. I'm going to step in that foot and that foot. What the fuck? And they're going to potentially step on some toes you have already and sacrifice sacred cows. Which ones? For the good of the American nation. I'm sure it is. It's for the good of your pocketbooks and your wallets and your whatever. And finally, just to top it off, it's a, the authors write that the American First Caucus platform is based on a common respect for uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. Uh, and mass immigration must be stopped. Anglo-Saxon. Anglo-Saxon is code word for white. Okay? That's what Anglo-Saxon is. I'm surprised, surprised they didn't add Protestant. So they can knock out Jews, Buddhists, Muslims, everybody. Just get it down to that Anglo-Saxon. Come on, guys. It's too late in the day. Look, take that infrastructure bill. Use a chunk of the money, whatever it takes, to create a time machine. These people want to go to, you know, they don't want to be in the 21st century. That is obvious. This is, we're not, we're not going in that direction. Whether, we, whether people like it or not, we're not. Uh, you know, things are changing, and they have been very slowly, and will continue to. And uh, these people want to get back to a time when it was all Anglo-Saxon all the time. And we can make that possible with a time machine. Let them pick a date they want to go to. Maybe it's 51, 48, 1940, when I was born. Maybe, huh? Or in the, maybe, who knows, maybe it's earlier. Maybe they want to live on a plantation. I don't care. Get them, make it large enough, they can all fit in, and they can all get back there. And we'll be better off. Just a few things before I go. A Louisiana lawmaker wants to ban teaching students about racism or sexism. Sure, why not? Why would you want kids to understand that? Why would you want kids to know about something that, uh, God. Uh, Republican State Senator Raymond Garofalo would bar teachers from promoting divisive concepts, including scapegoating men and white people for past wrongs and the idea that either the United States of America or the state of Louisiana is fundamentally, institutionally, or systemically racist or sexist. Wow. You just want to change history, huh? Is that all? Yes, we've been racist as a country. We've been sexist as a country. We continue to be. It's not real tough to figure that out. We had a whole pandemic to sit and watch people tell us because they and, and to show us and uh, to explain it to us uh, if you didn't know it already, okay? And obviously... You were putting your hands in your ears going, nah, 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 nah. your fingers in your ears, or maybe your fists, because you missed the point. And you missed the fact that we got to teach children, okay? And you missed the fact that if somebody did something wrong, 
be they, be they the scapegoating men and white people. <laughs> if they did something that was terrible, then we're allowed to teach that they did something terrible. That isn't scapegoating. That's called history, and it's called teaching. And it's so that children will grow up with a respect for what is right and what is wrong. Okay? And racism is wrong, and sexism is wrong. And you kind of got to tell kids about it, or they don't know it's wrong. We got to go back through this shit over and over again. And finally, from the other side, immigration activists are fighting plans to name a Chicago middle school after Barack Obama. <laughs> wow, okay. Activists say that Obama's record of deportation makes him no less problematic than slave owner Thomas Jefferson, whose name is being removed from the school. If you're removing the name of Thomas Jefferson, one oppressor, the name of Obama is another oppressor, said activist Julie Contreras. You know, we've had, you know, years where we haven't figured out our immigration problem. To say it's his fault, you know, to, to, to blame him uh, and uh, is, I'm sorry, you know, just that's, fa that's fast. That's really fast. Boy, oh boy. The left and the right. What is it? Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. The left and the right. Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. And that's it. We're done. We're not having a, uh, we're not on the road today because uh, we got a, a lot of truly great rants that rolled in. And I couldn't be happier about them. I do hope you enjoy them. I'd like to thank everybody who's been sending them to me and, uh, and especially those that came in this week. Uh, and uh, because uh, it really is a joy for me to, to continue to be able to read them. Remember, this is your show. Uh, if you got a story to tell, tell it. <laughs> write in whatever you want to write in. And if it works, uh, and I and it works for me, I'll I'll get it out there. And if not, it may end up somewhere else. You never know, because I'm just going to keep pumping them out as long as I can, because I think you all have something to say, and I think what you have to say is important, just as important as all. The, what, what everyone has to say, what all the people who in charge have to say, what you have to say matters too. And thank you for letting me be your voice from time to time. It means a lot to me. Take care. Someday I'm going to be really funny doing this again. Someday you're going to go, God, what happened to him? He must have, he must have taken his annex. <laughs> thank you. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. About three weeks ago during um, during my rant cast, after I believe there'd been, with two, there were two mass shootings. There'd been more since. During the course of that rant cast, I snapped. Uh, I have a tendency to do that from time to time, and I just went off on, uh, on my feelings about it. Talked about common sense in terms of uh, of what um, you know what and really what I thought um, should be done in terms of uh, dealing with gun violence because you don't say gun control anymore you say gun violence it was just my kind of rantings and ravings as I responded to what was happening and I asked uh, the listeners the folks who you know to um, someone who who would know more than me um, you know, if they had something that they wanted to say that was counter to what I said, to certainly go ahead and say it. And they did. Jeff B. did. And I'd like to thank him for doing that and for what he sent, because this is an issue that we're going to have to deal with. I will just I'll get to it. Let's read it, Lewis. I'll try to explain why common sense gun control is toxic in rant form, hoping that this method works better. Fuckwits asking for common sense gun control ask for this because they know their horseshit arguments don't make sense. They've tried spewing the nonsense without effect, so now they want to manipulate the conversation by calling their ideas common sense. So nobody could possibly argue. That's horseshit too. That isn't why I called it common sense. I just felt that there might be a way that common sense could prevail, and that would be a discussion of how to deal with this, and that together uh, there would be uh, an arrival at that, okay? Uh, I wasn't using common sense to hide behind. I just thought in terms of the choice of the violence and nonviolence and how to deal with that in terms of the amount of guns that we have, that maybe we could come up with a solution. And uh, And the adjective I used for it is common sense. Let's look at why the arguments are horseshit. We can start with your recent rant. You ask us not to make shit up. Hey, fuckhead, you too. Most people agree with background checks. You're right, but you fuck it all up when you start rambling about waiting a few days. That's not what background checks are. You're confusing background checks with mandatory wait periods. Background checks take place in minutes. My mistake, Jeff, and I'm sorry, was I should have pointed out, that's my feeling about what a background check should be. My feeling is it should be, people should have to wait three days, or four days, or five days. That's what I feel. I should have pointed that out, okay? I wasn't pointing, and and that was where that mistake came, and you're right to point that out. What are we trying to solve with background checks? We're trying to close the gun show loophole, which is only called that because it was named by morons. Currently, businesses must complete background checks on sales. Individuals have the option. Decent people get the background check, mostly because it creates a legal paper that says, hey, asshole, I got rid of this gun. Now, which one of these types of douche nozzles are at gun shows? 
That's right, businesses. There isn't a gun show loophole. There's a random fucking citizen loophole. They're fighting against this change in background checks because they don't want to pay someone to sell their gun. Fuck that. Fuck them. It's a trivial effort and cost. They can deal with it. Um, and Jeff, once again, I'm not... I'm, I, I still... Okay, I, I don't quite understand that. Um, but uh, And I've been at gun shows, and I and I don't understand them, but... Uh, but I, I, and I, I kind of have a sense of what you mean there. Military grade makes even less sense. The M16A2 has been in service for about 60 fucking years. That's the closest match to the AR-15. What's the difference? The AR-15 is only semi-automatic. The M16A2 also has an option to burst three rounds. See, the M16A1 had fully auto, and that shit was nixed because it makes people shoot inaccurately. How can people handle the power of uh, the M16A2 or AR-15? Easy. It has almost no recoil because that long, obnoxious buttstock is filled with a spring absorbing all of it. A child can handle it. Now, what did you handle if you were firing fully automatic? The three most common are M249, M240B, and 50 cal. These are always, almost always fired on an attached tripod or physically mounted somewhere. Also, guess what? They're not legal. Nobody reasonable is advocating to get these fully automatic weapons into the hands of citizens. Here's why the idea of common sense gun control is truly broken. Are you ready? Yep. A simple fucking thought experiment shows they wouldn't solve the problem they're trying to address. They're doing shit that didn't factor in the problem in the first fucking place. It's like brushing your teeth because you're upset you had diarrhea. Why do people think these cries are coming for their guns? This is based in one of two thought processes. The first is the obvious red flag laws. In those, law enforcement does come to take their guns. They're assumed to be dangerous fucks that shouldn't have guns. But these laws are dangerous for the same reason no-knock warrants are terrible. Their very design creates a self-defense versus law enforcement nightmare, where cop and citizen are both in a dangerous position. The second... People that actually know what the gun laws say know how ineffectual they are. They can easily see a couple of years down the road. We did the common sense shit. It isn't working. What the fuck do we do now? Well, crap, it looks like the only real way to stop the stupid shit happening with guns is to not have the guns. Why do fuckwits insist on arguing about the year the Second Amendment was written? Sure, machine guns didn't exist then, but citizens were allowed to have the same rifles the military was using at that point. If we look at what they were doing versus what we are doing, we're already more restricted. They'd lean more on the side of greater access, as batshit crazy as that may sound, but let's use that same argument elsewhere to see if the logic is sound. The founding fathers couldn't have possibly seen the internet coming. Thus, the First Amendment is no longer valid. We need to limit freedom of speech to be purely about quill pen writings. It doesn't apply to digital freedom of speech or any of this other expression we're using it to protect now. I challenge you to take your own challenge. Stop making shit up. I, I didn't make shit up, okay, Jeff? I just explained to you. Mine was a, 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 a just firing off from watching this over and over and over again and and tired of it, tired of waking up to it and of not really seeing it in my lifetime until Charles Whitman kind of marched up in that tower.
and shot people at the University of Texas in Austin. It was a reaction I had. That's what it was, pure and simple. Okay? It's a reaction of someone who is, who's crying out um, for, uh, for people, all people, in this country to get together and figure out how to make us safer. That's all. If we're going to have all of these guns and all of this weaponry, what do we do? That's all. So I wasn't making shit up. Read what these laws are, understand them. Come to the conversation informed instead of being just another monkey slinging poo at the other monkeys in these chats. Blow your mind. Google what makes a rifle an assault weapon when you can rationally explain how the ability to attach a knife to the rifle makes it more dangerous than the other rifle, we can talk about how effective these laws are were. Until then, fuckwits are just going to spew out military-grade tee as if they had any common sense in their own fucking minds. All I would say, Jeff, once again, there are people who use these weapons and, um, and have one sense of how to how it might be done to make it safer. And there are folks who see who who feel that, you know, um, we should be able to do other things that might not make it safer. It's and I and since I have no seriously, Jeff, no desire to become a part of this discussion because I've never used guns. Never, Jeff. It's not something I've had an interest in. So um, I would rather those who are expert at it to deal with it, okay? In as regard to the Second Amendment, um, it, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I don't buy the, uh, you know, the, the musket stuff either, okay? And a lot of it had to do with, which we can talk about for days, this discussion of that it was because there was a fear of the federal government um, and so that the militias in the states might want to respond and therefore they needed to be armed. That's, I, I think, as I remember it. I may be wrong, could be wrong. So that was part of the equation. I really appreciate what you had to say on this. Uh, I'm, I would, you know, I once again appeal to others to send in whatever they have to say on this. And, uh, and thank you. Uh, you clarified things for me. Um, but I think you took way too seriously my reaction. I'm a comedian and a social satirist and, uh, and someone who is just really tired of waking up and watching um, these mass killings and wondering how they could be dealt with. Because the rest of the world seems to have known how to deal with them, Jeff, and we don't. And I'd like to know what that might be. And I'd like for folks like you in, the, in these communities around the country where, uh, you know, in, in, where people do know, the, the, uh, do understand in, uh, weaponry and, and the gun laws, to sit down and, and, um, and help, help us figure out what needs to be done. And, and thank you. And I mean that sincerely. I wish I was funnier during that segment, Jeff. <laughs> oh, shit. Stephen Egert or Egert is uh, pissed about this. Who the fuck came up with the idea of surprise parties? 
As a member of the introverted community, parties in general are already a big fuck no for me. Of course, that doesn't stop family members from pressuring me with how fucking happy everyone will be to have me there. As if my constant lack of energy to be anywhere but home has ever contributed anything to a shindig while I sit at the end of the dinner table with my head down, trying to drown out the loud conversations of my extended family, or finding a spot on the couch in the host's home to take a nap. Nobody's ever said, hey, there's Stephen. Look at him doing fucking nothing. Oh, it wouldn't be a party without him. But I digress. I'm writing this because my mother is turning 60 in a few days. Quite the milestone, my sister thought one day. So what does she tell me? Hey, me and Dad are throwing Mom a surprise party next week at a restaurant, and our whole family is going. I want to say there are uh, uh, 12 people at a restaurant during a pandemic. Are you shitting me? Some folks would argue the worst of the pandemic was a year ago when so many people were getting sick and dying. To them, I say, no. The worst part is right now, when people are getting sick and dying. But others think it's just about over and want to go celebrate someone being born. God, what this introvert wouldn't give to have just a few more months of being able to say, that's right, fuckers. They said we're supposed to stay home in a time where people were still hoarding toilet paper and celebrities were dumb enough to ruin John Lennon for everyone. My idiot sister thinks that just because she, my mom, and a few others in that group of 12 have been vaccinated, the rest of us have to get dragged into going wherever she wants. At least that's what she would be thinking if she was at all conscientious. Because last year, when my sister, a pharmacist, turned 30, she had the balls to invite over 30 fucking people to her tiny fucking house. None of them wearing masks, mind you. I was able to dodge that train wreck by having work that day. But my mother got pressured into going to that narcissistic fuck you to social distancing. And from how she described it, I could tell she'd rather have been anywhere else. Fortunately, nobody, nobody got COVID at that party. But fast forward months later, where Dr. Kristen is suddenly allowed to go back to her favorite gym and she fucking gets COVID. One would think that would have become a learning experience for her. Nope. She went back to the gym two weeks later like nothing had happened. Anyone who believes she should be the one organizing family gatherings needs to be locked up in a mental institution, or at least locked in their homes where they belong. And the fact that it's a surprise party means I can't even check with my mom for if it's okay to not go to the party. I know she wouldn't ask for something like this. I know her. She'd rather be at home like me. What's worse is my brother is planning to travel from Boston to Long Island, where we live, when he should be in fucking school. His college even canceled spring break to keep those damn kids from traveling. Now he's just going to skip class and hide out at my sister's place just to surprise my mom before my dad drives him back to school the next day. Whatever happened to that fucking mandatory two-week quarantine? 
I swear that bastard making the effort to celebrate my mom's birthday is just what'll make me look bad if I don't show up. I tell you, with shit like this, it's no wonder my mom openly says I'm her favorite child in front of my siblings. Well, Lewis, I got news for those partying fucknuts. Our mom is a big fan of yours, and I just know mentioning her in a rant for Lewis Black is a way better present than any quarantine-violating escapades they can come up with. Happy birthday, Mom. Sorry for the language. Well, Stephen, thank you for sending that along, and I fully understand an, an introvert, and I don't know if you were vaccinated, but the fact that other people aren't I, in a confined space, I don't know. Now that we're kind of, we're transitioning out of, we transitioned from the world of our past into the pandemic world and now from the pandemic world into the new world. And it's, those are big, hard steps. And, but going to a surprise party, whew, I wouldn't be ready for that either. Unless everybody was vaccinated, then I'd be right on it, right on it. And if it was all outside, I hope your mom enjoys the, your, your birthday present. Cheryl Jessica sent this one along. I don't have much in the world to make me happy these days. Food, my dog, my fuck you membership. Well, thank you. But occasionally I take a chance and order something to be shipped to me. I already know it's not going to work out because it just doesn't. We have the laziest fucking delivery drivers in the country here in, guess where? North Carolina. I guess they exist to balance off the nice winters and pleasant, though short, spring. Anyway, I order my dog's food frozen. It comes in a box that it's not easy for me to carry around for long, but shouldn't be tough for guys doing that for a living. But this shitty local, and by local, I mean 50 miles, this shitty local office of a carrier whom I shall not name, but it begins with F for fuck me, has me telling everybody I buy from, if you keep using fuck me, I will have to buy elsewhere. Today, the delivery came, according to the email notification I got. I look out on the porch, nothing. I step out into the 80-degree sunshine, ooh, no problem there, and see the box, practically balanced on one corner, right in front of my garage door on the driveway, right where I would have backed over it if I went anywhere, because who checks for a box of dog food when they back out of their garage? The food was partially thawed, and the bottom of the box opened more easily than the top. Heck, it was already open. Heck, it looked like somebody had driven over it. This is where my head hurts, and my stomach churns every time I have to order something to be shipped, and they say it'll be fuck me bringing it around. One time, I was in my living room, looking out the window, waiting for that food delivery. And I watched the fuck-me driver carrying a box that looked a lot like mine walk across three neighbors' lawn. Then, did he put it on the porch? No. He put it in front of the garage of the house across the street. <laughs> so I got to look like someone stealing someone else's package when I went over and brought my package home. I really don't know why, they don't just push the box out of the back of the truck as they speed by at this point. Lewis, I love my dog. He's the light of my life. So I want him to be happy and healthy. Apparently, 
even if it leads to my early and untimely death. Thanks, Lewis. I've fired this complaint at a lot of people, and as anyone imagined, nothing has changed. Hope to see you on the road soon, and Kathleen too. Maybe you shouldn't call him fuck me. That may be why he's doing this. Sometimes we got to reach out. Maybe it's happened too many times that you're done with it. And I can understand that too. I hope at least it arrived frozen enough that your dog, you know, can eat it without going blind. Here's a tale of woe, doesn't it? It's beyond woe from Unfortunate Soul. And you'll see uh, why, why the name isn't being given. I'd like to stay anonymous as it's fucking embarrassing. I have excessive sweatiness, which is fucking disgusting pretty much all over my body. And I finally found a product that eliminates it if I use it every night. Oh, it's been a godsend. It's a container with a ball at the top to help roll the product on easier. I've currently moved into a new house, so everything is in disarray, including my deodorant and my icy hot cold applicator. I have a janky back and enjoy rubbing this on at night when my back pain flares up. However, mm-mm. <laughs> so I one night swapped the applicants. Whew. You can you you know it it almost reads itself now. I can just stop and have the audience close its eyes, my my friend unfortunate soul, and they can complete this story. I put icy hot near my genital area and the deodorant on my achy back. I will admit. At first, it was nice and frosty in my nether regions. Then the hot kicked in. It was like my genitals were slowly being burned in lava. I I frantically wiped it away with a a few wet wipes to no avail. I hopped in the shower and the ointment had spread to the more nether regions. I frantically tried to splay my lips and the burning ointment away. However, the water seemed to make it spread. It was concentrated at one point. Now it was fucking everywhere. My butthole is now on fire. Oh, I'm frantically trying to rub it off with a soap and a loofah. Oh, it, it kind of works. I get out, dry off, and sit in my chair, legs splayed like I'm on display, hoping to dry off. I eventually do, but not without random flare-ups of mint freshness coming from my vagina. <laughs> wow. Since then, I have never made more of an effort to label things clearly in my bathroom. Fuck super sweat and icy hot looking the exact fucking same. Hope my lips heal. Peace. Well, I hope they've healed by now. Unfortunate soul. Boy, that's rugged. There's a lot of folks out there who kind of made that mistake. You touch something. Even if uh, I won't even get into it. You know, you play with one of those hot jalapeno peppers or a habanero and touch up. Oh, boy. And then you go to the bed. Whoa. Woo. Ah. Woo. Oh, boy. I hope everything's going well down there. The rant of a tired fucking mom. My five-year-old has been sent to weirdo kindergarten. Half the year is done via laptop. The other half in school. I understand the teachers are under a bunch of pressure. However... Could you please name the fucking name of the assignment on the website, What's on the Binder You Sent Home? Now, I think that tired fucking mom 
Uh, we'll have a few things here that, uh, that I'm not sure how to correct uh, because I think she's so tired and so pissed. She's just, uh, you know, it's just coming out and spell check isn't doing what it should be doing. How in the ever-loving fuck am I supposed to decipher that reading assignment? Means reading a random ass page in the notebook you sent home uh, that's under a different fucking name. How? On the ever-living fuck am I supposed to decipher that? You write down, have children do the caterpillar exercise when there is no caterpillar on the fucking page but has a legit title? You give me assignments I cannot turn in because I don't know what the fuck it is. You also send home schoolwork he never fucking uses once. Oh, how in the motherfuck am I supposed to determine which assignment is which when you send me extra shit that we're never touching in our, in our class meetings? I've thrown away at least two-thirds of what's been in my son's binder because it's in the way and has never been used. For months, for fucking months, I get teachers are under pressure. I don't disparage that, but fucking really, he's in kindergarten and you can't get your shit together? He shouldn't even be on class Zoom in the first place. He's not old enough to focus. We both hate it. Just let him watch his baby shows and leave him alone. Or let me dream of cunt punting you and the school system until you figure it the fuck out. Wow. You are a tired <laughs> and angry mom. Uh, but you have to understand, I mean, the whole, it's its just so tough from both sides. I've read a lot of Lorenz, but I think both the parents and teachers and it's, and it, you know, it's just been brutal. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, once we kind of roll into a, some sort of normalcy, <laughs> that, that we, you know, we haven't lost precious time. It, it, I, I don't know how you deal with, Zooming a, a, a kindergartner without like a kind of an iPad coloring book fuck thing or whatever it is that kids are doing in kindergarten now, which is probably way ahead of what I was doing. Way, way ahead. Probably calculus. I hope you get some sleep. <laughs> and I hope that my reading this uh, helps you feel a little better. Made me feel better. Every so often I read something like that and go, wow. Maybe it was a good idea that I didn't have children. I went through a whole debate about that uh, during my kind of lockdown. But when I read this, I go, Ooh, I don't know how good I would have been during this uh, with, a, with a child. This comes to us from someone who wants to remain anonymous because they would like to continue working at their place of employment. Oh, you'll see why. I have a job with a diverse set of responsibilities. One of my responsibilities is to talk to customers about insecticides and answer questions they may have. You would not believe the things I've heard from professional pest control technicians, let alone the general public. My new hire, who I am currently training, got a call the other day from a guy that said, I spilled some of your insecticide on my hand. So I licked it off. What's going to happen now? I just, why would he fucking do that? Five-year-olds know not to lick insecticide off their hands. Jesus fucking Christ. It is difficult to remain calm, supportive, and friendly when you have to deal with fucking morons in hopes of helping them 
not kill themselves with the fucking product you are selling them to murder other living organisms. Good God! I've been doing this for several years, and I don't know how much I have left in me. I'm almost at the point where I, I want to just let them accidentally commit suicide. I mean, I won't, but it has crossed my mind. By the way, the guy who licked the insecticide off of his hand is fine. No brain cells were lost with the consumption of the concentrated toxic insecticides. Uh, please don't use my name. I didn't. I need my job to pay the bills. Well, thank you for sharing that. And good luck with the idiots. From Matthew Brewer, um, yet another rant about roundabouts. Wow, they truly enrage people. <laughs> roundabouts, why? What's wrong with the two-way and four-way stop? No, that's not good enough. Let's add a dizzying headache inducing, uh, I think I just threw up in my mouth hellscape. Oh, wait, let's play chicken with the next six cars. Are they going to exit? Are they going to continue on around? The cars behind me are getting impatient. I think I will gun it. Shit, that car is barreling around my way. Now, just for fun, I am a delivery driver. A new neighborhood being built has added five of these death traps in a row. But wait, there's more, isn't there always? The last street they put in has seven more in a row. What the fuck? Somebody didn't get enough merry-go-round time as a kid? Look, there are signs, and they say stop. People stop. First one to the line goes first, then the second, and so on. Figure it the fuck out. Thank you, Matthew. Here's a rant from Brian Aldrich. I'm, I'm only reading one of the things that pisses you off. There are two that Brian sent in, but the first one really nails it. And so I'm, I'm going to just go with that one because it's so splendid. I'm a gig worker who primarily does ride share. And I enjoy it for the freedom of working however much I want and whenever I want. And I don't have to worry about having a boss breathing down my neck. And there's something that absolutely pisses me the fuck off. People that don't tip on their deliveries. I had a delivery from a fast food place that I will not mention, but you can probably figure out which place serves these items. That being said, here's the order. Crispy chicken, BLT, small French fries, large tropical berry lemonade, jalapeno popper salad, Junior bacon cheeseburger, 10 pieces of chicken nuggets, two kids' meals, cheeseburger, large chili, baconator combo. Large order, right? So I drove 10 minutes to get to the restaurant. Takes another 15 minutes for the employees to make this artery-clogging bevy of fast foods. And then it takes me another seven minutes to get to the place I want to drop it off. And my cut of this 32 minutes of my life, $3.50 fucking cents. Are you fucking shitting me? What the high holy fuck is wrong with these twatsicles that they have absolutely no compassion about at least throwing a five spot on top of this water 
to make my time somewhat worth it? To the shithead dick tip that initiated this order, you don't realize something. We live in Colorado, where every Silicon Valley fuckass who works in software has been flocking here just to drive up our fucking housing market prices and have made a single-family home on an average six hundred and seventy-five thousand fucking dollars. Imagine if every person who ordered food did the same fucking thing you did. Thirty-two minutes at three dollars and fifty cents. That's not even seven fucking dollars an hour. You entitled, condescending fuckhole shit brain. You can't live on that kind of wage, no matter what profession you're in. People like you make us not want to deliver your shitty food. Like, the only reason I did was because it got me closer to a $600 bonus for the week. And I was accepting everything that I could so I can have extra money for my vacation that I'll take next week. Rest assured, if that bonus wasn't a part of my work week, your food would definitely not have been as hot as it was. Wise up and get it through your head that if you can't afford to tip the people that bring your food, make something the fuck at home. You're absolutely right, Brian. <laughs> well said. I hope you had a great vacation. I, I've always, you know, I, I bartended, and so I know about tipping. And, uh, and nobody knows how to do it. I used to do a joke at the end of my act about it. When I used to, when I was working clothes. Nobody knows if it's 15%, I said, make it 20, because nobody knows how to do 15. With 10%, it's you move the fucking, you move it, you move that little decimal point, and then you got it, and you had it twice. Huh? Okay, figure it out. That's it. That's my math tip for today. Brian gave you a nice discussion there. Well done, Brian. This is a response from Kevin Cox to a uh, to a story that uh, I, I told in Rantcast 38. For those of you who listened, it'll come back pretty quickly. Um, I'm not supposed to listen to radio, MP3, or even Rantcast while I work, but I do, as do most others in my workplace. Well, thanks, Kevin. Today, I listen to Randcast 38. Usually, I can be seen smiling as my hidden earbuds keep me sane, but not today. Today, I heard the story from Amy regarding a young child requiring $300,000 a year to stay alive. It brought a tear to my eye, not just a tear of sadness, but also a tear of frustration because there is fuck all that I can do about it. I want to carry on. I want to express myself in the kind of rants I regularly listen to, but I can't because I'm speechless. God bless the British NHS. That's the National Health Service, by the way. The one that uh, they always bitch about when uh, we were debating whether we should have a, um, you know, whether the government should be involved. This is from Kevin Cox. Thank you again, Kevin. I appreciate that. And I'm sure that the lady who wrote that in that story will appreciate it. Kevin Cox from London. 
and then parentheses, the real one. Here's a rant from Bill Barner. This is uh, uh, unusual that no one has ranted about this before because uh, I have a lot of friends who've screamed about this <laughs> a lot. Uh, Kathleen Madding, and it drives her nuts. While taking my morning walk, I asked myself, why is there so much goose shit on the lake path? I mean, it's like walking through a fucking minefield. You have to keep your eye on the path all the way around. We have hundreds of geese down here all winter. Some of them stay all year. Lazy fuckers. Go the fuck back to Canada when it warms up. For Christ's sake, please just do that. Then it hit me. It might be a matter of don't shit where you eat. I imagine one goose saying to the others, which one of you guys took a dump on the grass? It's disgusting. I've totally lost my appetite, and you guys know better than that. Drop those turds where they belong. On the footpath. Oh, Bill, thank you for getting inside the mind of a goose. <laughs> a response, too, from... Uh, a rant last week, a very short rant last week, from, but uh, this is from Joshua Tortora. Morning, Lewis. So for almost a year, I've been listening to your rantcast, and let me just start by saying thank you. Well, thank you for listening. For the entirety of my adult life, you've been a constant voice of reasonable anger in a time when reason seems to be slipping further and further away by the day. Now with the rantcast, we are all blessed with a regular dose to help us all get through this unending reality. Often times when listening, you will read a rant that I feel specifically inclined to respond to, but later. This, of course, plays out as most things in my life. That is to say, I put it off until it completely leaves my mind altogether. But listening to this week's episode, one of your fans really got to me. Fuck you, Greg. What has the rubber chicken ever done to you? Every week, that rubber chicken does his goddamn best to give a unique perspective that you simply can't get anywhere else. Oftentimes, what the chicken has to say is the smartest thing I've heard all day. In fact, given the rate humans are progressing, I'm not entirely convinced that we shouldn't start taking advice from rubber chickens, or actually fucking chickens, for that matter, to quote one of the few comedians I respect as much as you. Chickens are good people. Also... Greg, what the fuck is going on in your life that this podcast helps you fall the fuck asleep? I suggest maybe you take Lewis's advice and give the folks at BetterHelp a call. Trust me, they actually help. I know. I called them the second I started thinking a rubber chicken was making sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, Joshua. Actually, Greg, uh, Greg wrote in, and uh, he now loves the rubber chicken. Since I read his rant, Greg couldn't get over it. And now the rubber chicken, he, uh, I think he's setting up a little place where in, in one of his rooms to worship the rubber chicken. So uh, I'm sure he'll be, and he'll be, probably be thrilled that you yelled at him. <laughs> I did. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> I just love the fact you called better help because you started thinking a rubber chicken was making sense. Spectacular. Gerald Gillian needed to get this off his chest. Hello, Lewis. First time ranter, long time appreciator. I lost my job in occupational medicine due to COVID closing my clinic back in 2020. 
I'm sorry. I was told it was too expensive to keep my clinic open during lockdown. Not enough patient visits to make the hospital money. Can't let hospital executive salaries get cut. Oh, fuck a duck, no. Let's just send medical providers to the fucking unemployment line instead. Goddamn hospital CEO, CMO, and any other overpaid desk monkey still collecting a check, fuckers. But this is not my rant. <laughs> That's, my issue is people. People I see with the, their fucking masks down on their chin instead of covering their noses. Are you people so stupid that you think, well, I'm technically wearing a mask, so that counts, right? Fuck no. I lost my job and had to get two vaccinations because you fuckwits can't be bothered to wear a little piece of cloth over your stupid face. Fucking morons. I was finally able to get a job doing home medical visits. And even then, when you tell people, please wear a mask when I visit you, they still don't. We were so close to getting this bastard pandemic under control. But now the dumb stupids who whine about masks are going to make this pandemic a yearly fucking thing. I think after reading Gerald's rant, this is a, a nice one to follow it. It's a, another one of those tough medical stories that, this, that seem to be cropping up everywhere. I wanted to share what's pissing me off. It is that it appears that this pandemic has created a whole new crop of self-appointed physicians that all have their own damn diagnosis of what you should do. When I wrote you before, I shared that my wife got bacterial meningitis in 2013. Well, since I wrote you last year, she now has kidney failure and started dialysis. And in the last six months, she got severe anemia. And if that doesn't put the fucking cherry on it, now she has neuropathy. Wee! She now needs a wheelchair. Now the actual doctors don't have a damn clue what the problems are. She has three doctors all treating their specialty like she is the single special person that contracted three diseases causing three issues. But I digress. Son of a bitch. Now everyone makes all kinds of suggestions about a fixer. I was on the phone paying a bill and explaining things to this woman when she began to tell me that CMOS will fix everything, including COVID. Well, why aren't you telling the CDC and not a fucking schmuck like me? Now, when someone says that CMOS can, can fix everything, you should really hear in the background a siren and then some people going, you'll have to come with us now. You'll have to come with us. Listen to her scurry about as she grabs her CMOS before they put her in the ambulance. <laughs> then there are the people who tell me what I need to tell my wife to do, including my own damn mother, who I had to remind that she would tell anyone else to go to hell had they suggested such a thing to her. Her reply was, mm, good point. Now, if you want to tell my wife something, your ass needs to call her. I've been married to her 34 years, and I'm not spending all our time together passing on all your fucking suggestions. I have no clue what my wife is dealing with emotionally. I have some ideas, but I'm not in her shoes, so I don't pretend to know. What I do know is she's a smart woman, 
and she's put up with my dumb ass for all these years, so I know my role. My job is to make her smile and laugh daily and make her feel loved. We have a ton of wonderful, supportive people helping. But to the ones that feel themselves needing to share their internet solutions, put it on your fucking Instagram or Facebook, okay? And if I meant to see it, then I will. Absolutely not. Sorry it's so long, Lewis. It's not. But know that we take time and listen to your rantcast to assist me in accomplishing the daily laugh and smile. Thanks for the assist. I hope reading this helps you. Thank you, BJ, for that rant. And I can, that's a, that's tough. All I can say is I hope you're, uh, I hope these doctors fucking see clear to get your wife through this. That's really unbelievable. This rolled in from Scott Baker. He's pissed. I'm a small business owner. My family owns a brick and mortar hobby shop that goes back three generations. Being a small business owner always brings with its challenges. As we always say, if it were easy, everyone would do it. But as you can imagine, the last 12 months have been a complete shit show, and I'm just now getting to my breaking point. It's pretty good. And a lot of people, it was like a week. <laughs> when we were forced to shut down last March, we were extremely upset, but also understood. We've taken the pandemic very seriously from the start and have followed every rule and regulation to keep our employees and customers safe. But it became quickly apparent that the shutdown of retail stores did nothing but allow Walmart, Target, and the other big box stores to take all of the leisure sales that would have otherwise fall into small businesses like us. Okay, fine. Fine, we said, we'll just be better than ever when we're allowed to reopen. And fortunately, we were successful. The first day of our grand reopening a couple of months later was the busiest day our family had ever seen. Our customers came back in droves, along with many new customers wanting to try something new in their newfound free time. We were beyond grateful to those that continued to try and support our store and others around us. But as the year progressed, two things were evident. First, that our leaders confirmed our theory that no one gives a fuck about small businesses. Sure, everyone running for elected office says the right words. Small businesses are the bedrock of our economy. Sounds great. But then we watch as Republicans give kickbacks only to the big guys that line their pockets, while Democrats want to screw every business no matter the size. As you always say, Lewis, the two-party system is a bowl of shit looking at itself in the mirror. Second, and perhaps more depressingly, the remainder of 2020 proved us wrong on something important. We always thought that when push came to shove, Americans would band together amidst a crisis and rise above it all. <laughs> if anything, this crisis gave millions of bored, lonely Americans the opportunity to find every possible way to be assholes just so they could get some desperately needed fucking attention. The number of people who have given us one-star reviews on Google for stupid shit is incredible. They're taking too many precautions for a made-up pandemic. Oh, boy. I, I, that's the stuff that I start to vibrate when I read that, to be honest. I just vibrate. My brain vibrates. My body vibrates. The, the, the room vibrates. There was a cloud in the sky the day we went. <laughs> 
They're charging sales tax. We even had some suggest we discriminated against them. And when we reviewed our security footage, complete with audio, and proved to them that what they claim never happened, suddenly she was nowhere to be found. And don't get me started on the handful of stupid people who happen to be in our employee. Don't, don't get me wrong. The vast majority of our employees have taken this very seriously and have been fantastic at following the rules and keeping their coworkers safe. But then we have someone call us and say, I've been exposed to COVID. Upon further questioning, it turns out that they've been going to parties in one-bedroom apartments with their friends because why the fuck not? Now we have to shut down our store again, still struggling to regain its footing from the first time, all because people are so goddamn selfish that they can't even follow the fucking rules. Now, we are extremely fortunate. Business has been strong ever since, and we've made up for the time we've been closed. Millions of other small businesses have not been so lucky. But all of us are dealing with the same bullshit. No support from our elected officials and zero care from members of the public who should be supporting their local communities but instead are trying to make a name for themselves on social media by blindly and anonymously bashing people who are just trying to make ends meet and provide for their small group of employees. It's clear that this group is a minority of the population, but unfortunately, that minority is louder than an elephant with a fucking megaphone. Thanks, Lewis, for providing us a medium for which to rant and for continuing to put smiles on our faces as we fight each day. I'm, I'm glad that I do. Sometimes I, I feel like I've become a little too serious. It's coming back slowly. That's what I miss the most. I used to have that kind of, bam, there was my sense of humor. Now I'm kind of going, I'm running around. I was going, where'd you go? Don't go, come out from under the couch. Uh, we're looking forward to being able to see you in person again soon. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person again, Scott. I want to thank you for that. I think there's a, a certain at least attempt uh, with this uh, infrastructure thing that uh, if, you know, even if it were just the fucking roads and bridges and Wi-Fi, I'd be ecstatic. Hope it keeps rolling for you, and thanks again. I kind of drifted there for a second. I thought about the, all the model planes I made as a kid and a couple of boats. Mm -hmm. I think the air, I made an aircraft carrier. Mostly I was smelling the glue. Thanks to all of you for listening to my rant cast. If you have a rant you want to get off your chest, send it in to me at lewisblack.com forward slash live. You can think of it as therapy or whatever you want to think of it as. Just let it rip. And I want to thank the true stars of our show, the ranters and the splendid rants they gave us. Lewis Black's Rantcast was created and hosted by me, <laughs> Lewis Black. It is produced by James Salkine. Our theme song by Chris Lane. Executive producer, Ben Brewer. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. And most of all, thank you, all of you who ranted so well on this show. <laughs>